Howdy there, my fellow distanced fellows. I'm Peyton Zignego here with COVID Operation to bring you your daily dose of cheer. All right, let's jump into it. Today is Wednesday, and that means it's time for our very first professional interview. I'm super excited for this one, so take it away, Peyton. I'm here today in my Zoom studio with an Emmy Award-winning man of many talents, Ken Levine. Not only is he a comedy writer, but also does radio and has taken on DJing to podcasting and so much more and has even play-by-played on baseball. So before I start, I do have to say I really admire your skills to sort of straddle both the radio and comedy worlds because it's something that I also want to do as a comedy and radio double major, but... Firstly, I would love to hear about your time as a DJ because I absolutely loved your DJing style and it's totally something my dad and I would listen to in the morning. So tell me about that, please. Well, back when I started, radio was a huge factor in people's lives and a radio station would have a tremendous impact. I mean, for kids, that was the way you got your new music was by hearing it on a radio station. Disc jockeys became major stars and major factors in young people's lives. Disc jockeys that I responded to the most were the ones who were also funny. It was a a time when if you were a creative person, like I was and was looking for creative outlets, radio was a very viable option because it just seemed like really fun. And like I said, the disc jockeys who I responded to the most were the ones who were funny. And so it was kind of a way of combining comedy with radio. Since I was not a star athlete in high school, I figured, well, radio is is the way to go. And you don't even have to look like Rob Lowe on the radio. Nobody <laughs> sees you. So that, that was another plus. How does that compare now to podcasting, or, or can you compare the two at all? Well, the thing I like about podcasting is the thing I liked about the early days of radio, and that is that it's like the Wild West where you can do just about anything. And I have a podcast. um, This is my fourth year. It's called Hollywood and Levine. And uh, I love the fact that there's no program directors (laughs) that I can do exactly what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting and also kind of sad is that terrestrial radio, especially AM, where I started out, um, AM radio is really beginning to die out. And uh, I, I think I probably have more listeners to my podcast than are listening to some terrestrial AM radio stations in Los Angeles. One thing that that I love about it, as opposed to terrestrial radio, is that in terrestrial radio, your station, you had a tower, and the station went out, it had a signal, 
and there were only so many spots on the dial, and most radio stations had to protect other stations that had the same dial position 500, 1,000 miles away. Mm-hmm. So you could only hear your station in your city. But with podcasting, everyone in the world can hear my podcast. Yeah. Okay? That, and, and 40% of my audience is international. Pretty amazing to think that, you know, I'm sitting at my desk talking into this microphone and people are hearing me in Norway and Bhutan. My podcast, I'm very big in Bhutan. Okay. They love me in Bhutan. How do you best use your comedy on the radio or in podcasting? So past or present, whenever. Because as I said, I'm a person of comedy as well. So I'd just like to hear how you combine the two. Well, it's different in podcasting because that's more of a of a talk show. Yeah. So the comedy comes out of my commentary talking about different things, telling stories, trying to be humorous, uh, or engaging with a guest when I'm interviewing in the same way that David Letterman or Stephen Colbert would do, Conan, where they, you know, would drop in funny things. When I was a disc jockey, you had a very limited amount of time when you were a disc jockey. Because the audience wanted their personalities, but they wanted the music first, okay? And they didn't want the music to stop for three minutes while a disc jockey did some comedy bit. So what you learn to do is fast one-liners and things that you could do over the intros of songs. So I would have a 12-second intro to do comedy. And I wanted my show to be spontaneous. I didn't want my show to seem like, and uh, that was uh, Simon and Garfunkel, and, you know, Simon's middle name is, uh, like, oh, man, <laughs> just sounds so, so forced. Uh, I wanted to be spontaneous. And my favorite all-time disc jockey was a guy named Dan Ingram in New York on WABC. He was on in the afternoons for almost 20 years. He was far and away the number one disc jockey in New York. But Dan, that's what Dan would do. He better at it than me. Dan was was spectacular. Um, and, you know, he'd make puns about the records. He'd make fun of things. They let him make fun of the commercials. And, um, and so that was... That was kind of my inspiration. How does the world of podcasting, uh, as you see it, how has it now developed and changed since you've started out? You said your podcast has been going on for four years. Yeah. How has this developed? I think what you're starting to see is there was a, a period of time when podcasting was just starting out and there were a couple those people like right out of the gate started getting big audiences and started being able to monetize their podcasts. So other people kind of jumped on the bandwagon and 
then it became this glut of podcasts. And I think what you're starting to see, and, and this was the same thing with blogs like 20 years ago, is everybody goes, hey, I'll have a podcast. That's great. And then they realize, God, this is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And, and I got to do this like every week. Like, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> and what you find is that a lot of podcasts are dropping out. Because, you know, you put in the time and the effort and not a lot of people listen. Mm -hmm. And so after a while you go, what am I doing this for? It becomes an obligation and not fun. And you're not going to monetize until you get like 10,000 downloads a week at least to start. And that takes a lot of time to build. So I, I think the podcast world, although there's still a lot of podcasts that are starting, I think there are a lot of podcasts that are dropping out more and more of the podcasts that have stuck around are starting to get a fan base and starting to get a, a toehold. What do you think makes a podcast that would then have the ability to continue on? Honestly, the subject matter is a subject matter that people are interested in hearing about. And number two, I believe storytelling is the most important thing. So I think people tune in and want to hear stories. And the third thing I think is the, the host and the personality of the host mm-hmm. that they are turning in to get in my case, my perspective, my point of view, and hear the way I tell stories, that type of thing. Um, I believe that podcasts need to give the listener value Mm -hmm. from start to finish. And like my pet peeve, a lot of podcasts, especially when there are two people who Mm -hmm. host the podcast, that the first five minutes are them just shooting the shit about what they did that day and what they're having for dinner and what movie they might see and, uh, you know, the problem they're having with their washer dryer and everything. That's not value, okay? The the listener doesn't give a shit about (laughs) your broken down washing machine. So I try to make sure from the beginning to the end that I'm giving the listener value. And when I open my podcast, the first thing I do is I talk about what I am going to be discussing this week and why you're going to want to listen. To bounce off of that, any other tips of the, of the podcasting trade um, that you have from, from your experience? Just one. Okay. And that is a lot of podcasts have two hosts. Mm-hmm. And as a listener, you sort of feel like, okay, I'm just listening in on a conversation. Yeah. Okay? Um, what I like to do and what I feel is something that the audience responds to is I, I don't have a co-host. I am talking one-on-one to you. I never in my podcast say, hello, everybody. 
or how are you folks doing or anything like that. I'm not talking to folks. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so when you're driving in the car and you're listening to my podcast or you're on the Stairmaster and you're listening to my podcast and I'm telling those stories, okay, I'm talking to you. That's something that I have always tried to do. I want to talk directly to you. I am talking to one listener only, and that listener is you. That's my one podcasting tip. Okay. Okay. Peyton, stop right there. That's all the time we've got together today, unfortunately, which means the other half of this interview with Ken, you'll have to tune in next week to hear. However, some exciting news. So, Ken, I hear you're partnering up with StoryArc at storyarc.org to bring together a sitcom class where people and their families are going to be making two to five minute sitcoms with you. Yeah, and I'm very excited about it. Should be fun. And I also hear that they're picked by you and a panel of judges. The best sitcom people made with their families will win a $100 prize. That is true as well. <laughs> We're starting at the end of April. You can go to storyarc.org for more information. Sounds good. Tapioca, got anything to add? All right, well, she's currently sleeping. So, very insightful, Tapioca. Thank you. We here at COVID Operation give a special thank you to Ken Levine for allowing us to interview him. And if you need more to listen to, you can go ahead and check out his podcast, Hollywood and Levine. This has been COVID Operation. See you tomorrow. Stay safe out there. Peyton and Tapioca, over and out.